Hello, welcome to Titletown Sports Podcast. We are coming at you to talk about a lot of things related to Boston sports that have happened over the past couple weeks. Yeah, we uh, took a week off there post-Super Bowl to nurse uh, at least one hangover. Um, <laughs> and diverse little uh, buffet of topics this week. We're going to talk... Um, what? We're going to talk a little bit of Patriots and what's been going on yeah. in the coaching staff. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Bruins talking about this David Posternock injury and a little Celtics, too, to yeah. round things off. Kyrie in the All-Star game. So enjoy the show. Should be fun. See you later. Everybody, welcome to the Title Town Sports Podcast. Uh, we're happy to be here with you. It's episode sixty-seven. Uh, we are your hosts. My name is Craig Stanton. I'm Melissa Burns, and I hope you're all having a wonderful President's Day, which is what is happening yeah. as we record right now. As we speak, President's Day. You do uh, you enjoy your Monday off there, Burnsy? I sure did. Sure did. It was great. What's it like having a job? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. That's the different. <laughs> Discussion. Uh, 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 do you got any? Also, you got any favorite presidents? Favorite presidents. Hmm. Uh, do I have any favorite presidents? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Good take. Good take. <laughs> um. Also, hope you had a good Valentine's Day. Oh yeah, Bernsey and everybody yes, else listening. Yeah. Great. All Sorry right. we took a week yeah. off there, but you know, whatever. Um, Life happens. We're gonna blame it on Melissa getting sick. <laughs> No. Craig was making troubles. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, should we get caught up with what's been going on around town here? Let's do that. Uh, why don't you kick us All off? All right. Let's talk about those Patriots. The six-time Super let's. Bowl champs have actually been mm, pretty good to say. quiet since their media bender in the weeks following their Super Bowl victory. Uh, there's been no breaking news on any retirements, trades, franchise tags or free agency stuff just as far as players go um it's been a bit of a different story on the coaching staff however um the 2018 de facto defensive coordinator brian flores was officially announced as the head coach of the miami dolphins which we all saw coming that's no surprise but what was more surprising uh was definitely the number of coaches and assistants that are going with him most notably we saw chad o'shea who was the wide receivers coach for the coach for the last 10 years um and uh he's gonna go be the offensive coordinator in miami flores obviously a defensive guy himself uh named a former patriots linebacker coach patrick graham as his defensive coordinator and the patriots cornerback coach josh boyer is moving to miami to work under him in the same role uh back up in new england the pats named former tampa bay bucks and Rutgers head coach Greg Schiano as their defensive coordinator for the 2019 season. He's a uh, well-known FOB friend of yeah, Bill. Yeah, Bill loves those Greg Rutgers Schiano guys. Is. I was actually hanging out with a bunch of people from Rutgers, not from they, but they went to Rutgers oh, this past really? weekend, and they were rattling off all their best players, and it felt like they were just like giving me the Patriots defensive roster from like 2012 to like 2015. Yeah, freaking. The McCordys, Logan Ryan, uh, fucking 
Kenny Britt was on there. There was some one other like Patriots corner yeah. who I'm forgetting. Anyways, a lot of Rutgers guys on the yeah. Pats, as we know. And now Greg Shiano's the fucking DC. We'll see how that goes. Um, how about the Bruins? Yeah. Um, they've actually been on a fucking little bit of a tear. Uh, they've won five straight games as of, again, it's Monday night right now. Uh, they've won five straight. They've won seven out of their last 10, and they've gotten points in 10 out of their last 10 yeah. games. Uh, nice little run here for the Bees. Uh, they're in the middle of a five-game, mostly West Coast trip right now, and they've got wins against L.A. and Anaheim already in the bag, and they're playing San Jose tonight, Monday night, in Vegas on Wednesday. Uh, and then they're going to finish the road trip taking on the Red Hot St. Louis Blues on Saturday afternoon. Uh, nice little two days off in Vegas for the <laughs> Bruins. I wonder when they're flying out. Yeah. I wonder if they'll let them stay in Vegas or if they make them go to St. Louis. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, what a what a swing that is. Yeah. What a difference in city quality and, <laughs> and like amount of fun available. Well. <laughs> uh, if I was Don Sweeney, I'd be like, get these guys on the like, don't even yeah. take your equipment. Right. Off. We'd have Just, a like, red eye on right Wednesday on the night. Plane. <laughs> So the Bruins have been playing really well. However, the biggest piece of news in Bruins land that came out this week was not so fucking great. Not great. Uh, the leading scorer of the Boston Bruins, you might know his name, David Pasternak, injured his thumb this week. And according, I think, interestingly, to the Bruins, the official Bruins Twitter account, um, I'm paraphrasing, but they tweeted this out, and it says that he hurt his thumb after falling down uh, while he was making his way to his transportation after a sponsorship dinner last Sunday night, which was after the Avalanche game, for anybody that cares, around 11.30 p.m. Um, and the the just the way that that shook out is the Avalanche game that Sunday, last Sunday, was at 3 p.m. So then they have this, like, team dinner thing late later at night. The, they were off the next day. And then the following day, they had the Blackhawks at home. So you can imagine what kind of fun and shenanigans the uh, younger players on the team may have been getting themselves into. Although that's all speculation, I suppose. Uh, he didn't break the thumb, but he had surgery this week to repair ligament damage. Um, and is expected to be reevaluated in two weeks. And this fucking really sucks because obviously the Bruins uh, have been struggling to find scoring outside of their top line, the Pasternak Bergeron Marchand line. And just a fun little fun little stat for you. The Bruins have 174 goals this year, and Pasternak has either scored or assisted on 66 of them, which is 37% of the time. Wow. So, like, over a third of all the Bruins scoring comes either at the hands of or, you know, off of an assist from David Pasternak. So him being out blows. Wow, good fun fact. I like that one. Yeah, I heard her on the radio. No big deal. <laughs> NBD. We can poach with the best of them. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's turn to the Celtics, who uh, finished off their slate of games before the All-Star break with two really ugly losses at home to LeBron's Lakers and then to the Clippers two nights later. Uh, just an interesting Ooh. note, they were the only team to not hold up their end of the hashtag beat LA bargain. Thanks a lot. The months-long Boston versus L.A. domination yeah. uh, sweepstakes was blown up by these dudes. We we even beat L.A. for worst rush hour traffic. <laughs> so we really got all of our bases covered. Um, <laughs> I saw someone on Twitter say, I, I think we've taken this too far, Boston. <laughs> but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, anyway, they then went down to Philly and without Kyrie beat the fully healthy 76ers at home, which was 
beautiful game to see. Um, and then they just thoroughly stomped the Pistons back in Boston, again with no Kyrie and no Terry Rozier that time. Uh, they now get about a week off for the All-Star break. Although Kyrie and Jason Tatum are participating in all-star festivities down in beautiful Charlotte. This is all amidst much hand-wringing from Celtics fans about Kyrie's health and whether or not he should suit up for the game itself. Newsflash, he did end up playing. Uh, Some potentially big news coming from All-Star Weekend was New Orleans Pelicans big man Anthony Davis said that he would actually be open to a trade to the Celtics and that he never said Boston wasn't on his list. So perhaps the C's have a chance to beat LA after all in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes this off season. Mm, the plot mm. thickens. Um, and then finally we have the Red Sox. And uh, since we left you last, which was on truck day, oh, yeah. um, the Red Sox spring training has officially begun. Uh, pitches and catches reported a couple weeks ago. Positional players reported last week. Um, it's basically like the same gang, <laughs> you know, like no real... Uh, big time changes, um, but one piece of somewhat significant, I think, sort of uh, money related contractual news this week. I think so. Um, after a salary arbitration meeting, the Red Sox and reigning American League MVP Mookie Betts agreed to a $20 million salary for 2019. Not a bad ticket, which is actually, fun fact, the most any player has ever pulled down in the sal- salary arbitration. And historically, just for some context, uh, negotiations salary-wise between the Sox and Betts haven't been great over the last few years. Um, they've tried to, like, do some restructuring, different sort of things, and he's, like, rejected them, like, every step of the way. He's not set to be a free agent until uh, after next season, not this season, but next season, the 2021 season. Uh, but even still, it's good to see the two sides coming together and for Mookie to get some cash. Obviously, I think everybody would like to see him resign. Yeah. Um, but you never know. Well, so that's what's been going on in Red Sox world. Yeah, but you don't want to, I think, well, you don't want to end up with a contract like you have with Dustin Pedroia right now where he signed for the next three years. And it's like, Jesus, it's just anything to get that guy to go away at this point. So I think the Red Sox are a little careful about that, but... Mookie's definitely worth a serious investment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And honestly, like depending on what he can give you for the meat of that contract, like I might even say, you know, fuck it. I'll take three shitty years on the back end where you're still paying him if he's like old and banged up. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a different animal than Pedroia, you know? I mean, Pedroia was a, a, a lifelong little overachiever who, uh, you know, was fucking good when he was good, but he was never, I don't think, Mookie Betts level. Or no. I don't think he, he had the... Natural talent. Like, simply put, Mookie Betts' ceiling is much higher than uh, Dustin Pedroia's ever was. And that's not yeah. like a fucking short joke. That's just like looking at <laughs> the the talent as it's, as it's in front of us. Yeah, the potential. Uh, there was one other piece of Red Sox news that I just want to get your take on right now. Uh, oh, yeah, what's David that? Price officially changed his number. Oh, right. To number 10. And there was quite a lot of scuttle in the Boston sports media over the past week about why and trying to figure out what it meant. And I I think ultimately they figured out and he confirmed that it was because the Roman numeral for 10 is an X and his son's name is Xander. Yeah, I heard. He, uh, I think it's Xavier. Oh, Xavier. You're right. The kid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, that was the theory I heard as well. But in typical David Price weirdo fashion, he like would he just like yeah, wouldn't tell. Right. He was like, "I'll let you, I'll let you guys figure it out." Like just like why? Why? Are you being so why weird does he have to be like this? that? 
That's the um, shit he does that make people not like him. Why couldn't he just say like, you know, I changed it because of this Yeah, just reason. play it straight, dude. Like, like just fine. Just, it's a weird reason to change your number, but okay, cool. Or just be like, you know, like it's a personal thing for me. Like, or just like say like, I'm not going to tell you. Not like, ooh, you got to figure it it's out. You know what I mean? Like, don't make it like, yeah, don't make it like a weird riddle. Yeah. Like just either tell people or don't. Like it, nobody really cares that much. Right. There's just not a lot going on. So people are going to talk about it. But then he has to make it bizarro. He's just a weird cat, yeah. that guy. I'm really curious to see how uh, this next season plays out for David yeah. Price. Like he clearly thinks and like for right now this is true that like the fact that they won the world series last year and the fact that he performed at a high level and was a obviously a huge contributor to that that championship team like he's obviously looking at that like that's just armor right like n no one can say a bad word about him because he fucking won that world series and like that's true right now in spring training right. but like i'm really curious to see how this year goes and i mean i hope they're good and i'm sure they will be but like him specifically like if he has a couple bad outings strings together a few bad outings you know oh, yeah. gets shelled in yankee stadium again or something yes. like that and like you know it's got like we're not the type of town that's gonna just give you a pass indefinitely because you won one championship like come on right I, ask like I don't know ask anyone ask Claude Julian how that worked <laughs> out you know what I mean like it it ends eventually like the 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 honeymoon ends right yeah. like I don't and know. you'll so hear the boos like interesting to Red see. Sox fans will boo you if you give right. up six runs and keep getting pulled in the second three games in a row like you're gonna get exactly. booed when you're walking off the mound World Series ring or not it doesn't matter right right so, so that'll, that'll be an interesting thing to keep yeah, an eye on. Yeah, and he will melt down, but we can talk more about that as summer approaches. <laughs> so uh, I've got, you know, there's not really one real dominant story this week, but I I think that there are there's plenty to discuss, and we can kind of go around uh, a couple of the teams this week. I've got basically one question to ask for... Uh, the three teams in action, right? Well, no, the, the Patriots aren't in action, but yeah. uh, the one Bruins question, one Celtics question, one Patriots yeah. question. Just expanding on some of our kind of opening thoughts about what's been happening in the past couple of weeks. Where would you like? Uh, where would you like to begin, Melissa? I'll let you choose. Ooh, Even if ooh, you can spin the ooh. wheel. Uh, let's start with the Bruins because I like this story. Uh, All right. <laughs> so, like we said in the in the intro, there, David Pasternak falls down. <laughs> Uh, hurts his thumb And now he's out for a little while We gave you the stats about how much he obviously contributes Offensively to this team Yes. So basically what like, what do you think happened here Was he shit faced Like what's the What's, he, the, what's, what's going on he here He has to have been in the bag To have hurt his hand Bad enough that he fell and tore a ligament Yeah I mean that's gotta be it Right it, like and it's actually yeah. like not I don't really find it all that Like upsetting you know, like, like I just, I just, we, I think we should all recognize that like he was probably plastered. <laughs> like I said, it was a Sunday night. Yeah. The game was at three. Obviously it was over by like, you know, six. Right. They have a team like sponsorship dinner. Right. So. Uh, hosted by what, I don't know, whatever hockey company right. it was. And then like. I'm throwing out the timestamp. The Bruins said that he felt like that it was it ended at 1130. Yeah. Like in, it wasn't fucking 1130, but you know, he's a young guy. They yeah. had the next day off. Right. They had an early game that day. Like the dude's like 22 or something. Like he should be ripping it up. Good for him. But like, dude, 
keep your feet, man. Like that's a bad way to fucking get injured. Yeah. What do you think the team thinks about it? Like, how do you think the team is like treating David Pasternak right now? I mean, I think they're disappointed, but these things happen. Like you hear about stories of guys like, you know, slicing their hand with a fishing knife or like falling down the stairs at home or, you know, and I think he wasn't doing, it wasn't like he was doing some sort of like, crazy skiing and like hurt himself, like putting himself into harm's way or like had a major motorcycle crash, you know, to your point, like he's a young guy. These things happen better now and he can get healthy before the playoffs start. So hopefully he's back at full strength by then. Um, Obviously it's not ideal timing, but yeah, I kind of look at it as like things happen. Shit happens. I'm sure they gave him like, a dad speech about being responsible and knowing your limits. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like he's in his early twenties, he was out at a team event. So it's hard for them to be like, you were making bad choices. You should have just been home studying tape. Like, well, it was a team event. The dinner was a team event. Yeah. I, my, my conspiracy theory, which is not really all that off the wall is that, the, uh, you know, people went out afterwards. Like, oh, that of course seems to they me did. Like, the obvious we thing. Did, we would too. I, see, I think, yeah, of course, uh, obviously. And again, I'm not, I'm not like ripping David Pasternak yeah. for going out and partying. I'm just ripping him for falling and fucking hurting himself. <laughs> like at the end of the day, dude, like you fucked the team yeah. by like falling as, as freak of an incident as it may have been. But I, I think the team is pissed. Like that tweet, like them putting on Twitter that it was like at night that it was like, they, they like set the scene to for one to believe that like he was you know drunk like they could have easily just said like he hurt his thumb in an you know, accident at some point during the avalanche game they could have said he hurt it at the you know morning skate the next day they could have like done a million things well like it's it would to, it would be so easy to like just stick him on the injury report the next day and just say he hurt his thumb in the avs game and like no one would even think to look into it you know i guess unless they were worried about someone maybe someone saw him or maybe they knew like a picture or video had been taken of it and they were worried maybe, about the PR maybe. hit of that coming out and them trying to cover it up. Yeah. I interpreted the tweet though as like passive aggression, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I interpret it as like, we're not covering this up for you, dude. Like no way. Like uh-huh. we're putting out there what happened. Like we're not going to bury you. We're not going to say that you were like, you know, fucking shit canned or whatever. But like, we're going to say that this was not in the game. We're going to say that this was on your own time. And we're just going to say that you fell down because that's what you did. <laughs> I heard a lot of people talking like, uh, like, like the uh, national hockey people. Yeah talking about this and saying that like they just assume because it's like wintertime Boston that he like slipped on ice Sunday was like 40 degrees yeah, like, there, say, was no no, there was no to ice be found. like there was no yeah. ice like a couple I, weeks ago getting, I got pissed off when I heard that I heard it on fucking spitting chicklets which is the you know the barstool hockey podcast yeah. where like two out of the three guys are Bruins fans and like Boston natives and they're like yeah he was out probably slipped on some ice you know whatever no, February he definitely did <laughs> and like moved on and I was like what <laughs> like have you been here it's not there's there's no ice like it's oh. not that's not what happened interesting so he's getting a huge break on the national stage then they're just assuming I it's know. Boston oh shit yeah there's no ice here we've had so, a very mild February <laughs> yeah and I think it puts I mean I don't know how much I don't know. I mean, the Bruins, I think if they want to be contending this year for a deep playoff run or, God forbid, a, a, a Stanley Cup 
run. Like they're going to have to make some moves at the trade deadline, which is like a couple weeks from now. If anything, I mean, obviously this hurts them on the ice in an immediate way by David Pasternak being gone. But one of the things that they need is a, a, a winger to play with David Krejci. And now that they have one less winger who can score, like, doesn't that put them in a more difficult negotiating position trade-wise yes. as well? Like, people looking at Pasternak's injury and being like, well... Now you're more desperate. Bruins are fucking desperate. Right. They're going to, like, empty out their, you know, war chest for whoever rando winger that we have. Well, but... So that blows, I, too. I mean, I think one positive that's coming out of it is, like, other guys are kind of finding their stride. Like, because they, they are winning yeah, without him. So Danton like, Heinen was up there De, lighting it yeah, up. Yeah, DeBrusque I mean, has had a couple of goals. you could put me out there with fucking, yeah. You could put me, me and you up there with fucking Marshan and Bergeron and we'd have like two points a game. Well, I, ca- but, I can't yes, skate, it, so I would be out. But <laughs> I would just be falling down. You just lean your stick over the, over, the, over the bench and just- Hold on. Get some tappers. <laughs> I would be in the same situation as Pasternak. <laughs> Just falling, but actually on ice. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, though, like, if it is helping other guys kind of score and, like, get maybe some confidence that they can score, like, you know, that could be a positive outcome. We can look at things in a more positive wow. way. Melissa, with the silver lining, you must be in a good mood tonight. <laughs> yeah. Took a nice nap. <laughs> Monday, Monday, Monday holidays really agree with yeah, you, Yeah, they huh? sure do. I'm no fool. <laughs> I, not, I know not to work Monday holiday. <laughs> Um, all right. So that's, yeah, I mean, that's the pasta situation. It sucks that he's out. I mean, it's, it's a little extra twist of the knife that it wasn't hockey related (laughs) in any way. Um, and you know, hopefully they can make something happen at the deadline. Hopefully they can improve their team. I've got a, like a, a bigger Bruins take that I'm waiting to like unleash on the podcast sometime soon. They're pissing me off. Okay. All right. Um, Keeping it under your hat. That's real big market tease. We don't even know when it's coming. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, once we get a good full Bruins, like really sink our teeth in episode, I'll unleash this. Probably right around it's the like trade deadline. Slow, we'll need to. It's like that. a it's like a crock pot take. It's just like low and slow and steadily <laughs> burning, simmering over many weeks. Uh, you want to check back in with the Patriots and find out what's going on with their um, coaching situation? Yeah. Sure. Sure. So we we talked in the opening about you know, the big news and the big changes that have come to the Patriots organization have all really come from Brian Flores taking that job in Miami and taking basically everyone else with him, it feels like. Um, Do you think that's going to end up being a big deal? And does it say something about Belichick's, you know, future in New England? Yeah, so I thought it was interesting. um, And I've, I've sort of interpreted it multiple ways. Um, the initial thing I thought was, um, that like people must just really fucking like Brian Flores. Um, like, like, you know, we didn't really hear that much about him cause he's obviously only been, you know, in the spotlight, so to speak for a year. But I think the Patriots honestly did a really good job of keeping him out of the spotlight all year for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, like I can't think of a single freaking interview the guy ever gave. No, I don't know, know that I could or tell like, you what he sounds like. Yeah, yeah. If he called into our freaking podcast, I'd be like, who the hell was that? Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> Brian so from like, Miami. And he obviously did a he obviously did a great job. I mean, the playoff run, the way the defense played, speaks for itself. And I don't know, like you hear some, and so I contrast that with Josh McDaniels, who's sort of the heir apparent to the Patriots' head coaching position. You don't hear a lot of like glowing, loving stories about Josh McDaniels. Like usually, when you're hearing people from like outside the organization talk about his personality, it's not great. Like from his Denver days, from his St. Louis days, like I don't know, he just like isn't I don't I don't think he has a reputation. I mean, certainly like what he did to the Indianapolis Colts last year right. speaks to that. Like just like who does that fucking thing where they accept the job and literally like walk off the plane and come right home. You know what I mean? So like <laughs> I don't know. Josh McDaniels I don't think has the gr- most sterling reputation around the league to say the least. And so I I first interpreted it as like wow fucking Brian Flores hell of a guy. He's taking all these guys with him. They, they must like love working for him, working with him, all that stuff. And then I actually thought about it a little bit more and I was, I, I kind of flipped. Okay. And I'm actually thinking that it might mean that Belichick's in for a little bit longer than we might think. Oh, that's what I took it to mean too. Yeah. Like if, if, if Josh is the heir apparent, right. And then you would think that Brian Flores would be the DC and right. Chad O'Shea would be the offensive right. coordinator because Chad O'Shea, the wide receivers coach, is was sort of like Josh McDaniels' right hand man. Yeah. And then everybody just bumps up, right? Like, so everybody kind of just like takes that next step. And I think there might have been something internally that changed that maybe Bill is reinvested, rejuvenated, and he and, and he doesn't plan on calling it quits anytime soon. Yeah, which I mean, that's fine by me. That was exactly how I took it too. It's like, oh, you see all these guys jumping, and it says to me, like, oh, they must know that like this is their only chance for advancement. Because someone like Chad O'Shea doesn't stay for 10 years with one organization and then suddenly, you know, head off. And like, I don't know how much of a relationship him and Brian Flores would even have, like Brian Flores being right. The Different sides stuff. of the ball yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously there must be in coaches meetings and stuff together. And so to me, that one in particular says to me that he doesn't see Bill leaving because he doesn't see Josh moving up. So he doesn't see that offensive coordinator position coming to him in New England anytime soon. You know what one I actually found really interesting, though? And I don't have even, like, a theory on it. I just thought it was really interesting. Uh, This guy, Josh Boyer, and this is, like, way in the weeds, like, more so than we usually go on this podcast. (laughs) But Josh Boyer, who's the cornerbacks coach, not to be confused with quarterbacks, cornerbacks, uh, for the Patriots, is going to Miami to be the cornerbacks coach in in Miami. Lateral move. Yeah. Right. Going to work for B Flores instead of Bill Belichick. And I just found that I just I found that one fascinating because the other guys, it's easy to it's easy to sort of suss out, you know, their their reasoning or at least you can theorize about their reasoning because they all got promotions. You know what I mean? Well, Flores goes from a not eat, you know, don't call me defensive coordinator, defensive coordinator to a head coach. O'Shea goes from wide receivers to O.C. Like you can see everybody just taking a step up. This Boyer guy. Lateral move. I mean, maybe a pay pay bump or something. No, uh, no state income tax in Florida. That's true. But like, I just found that one interesting. Like, hmm, you don't see a lot of people leaving the Patriots for lateral positions. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean, maybe that one. Maybe it's a mix of both things. Like, maybe that one is that he, you know, appreciates working with Brian Flores. He sees what he's, you know, trying to accomplish. Um, and he wants to be a part of that. And, and, you know, so it could be a little bit of a mix of both things. Yeah. Yeah. But that one, yeah, that, that particular one definitely was raised an eyebrow for me. I mean, and it's, these is like the sort of just the beginning of the, uh, what 
I think it's going to be a, a fascinating Patriots offseason. Yes. Quite the opposite of what we were just saying about the Red Sox, where they just like brought the whole band back, right. you know, pretty much. Um, yeah. Save for Joe Kelly and Craig Kimbrell. But like, <laughs> don't try to make me say nailed that. Nailed it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, before any player movement has happened at all, and there, it, there seems like there could potentially be a lot. Gronk might retire, Jason McCourty and Devin McCourty might retire. You've got Trey Flowers, who's going to be a free agent. Trent Brown, who's going to be a free agent. You've got a bunch of nobodies at wide receiver. They're going to have to figure yeah. out what they're doing there. Like, there's going to be a lot of player movement um, all over the map once the, I think it's like March 13th or something like that is when, like, the 2018 contracts expire and free agency starts. So who the fuck knows? But already, just on the coaching staff, I mean, that's a ton, 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 ton of turnover coaching-wise. Yeah, and, you know, they've always had so much continuity with their coaching, and I think it's part of what has kept them successful for so long is, oh, for is sure. just that consistency of knowing the playbook and knowing how to bring guys through the system and, you know, knowing how to, like, coach them up in a certain way. And now you're losing a whole bunch of that at some really key positions for them very rapidly. Yeah, and, I mean, it's funny, too, because you never, like, again, this is, like, what is a frustrating element of being a Patriots fan is, like, I don't really know how much Brian Flores did, right. you know, like it's, it's, it's tough as Patriots fans. Like when I feel like a lot of the times, like, you know, we blame Matt Patricia for uh, the 2018 defense sucking, but we praise Bill Belichick a lot of the time for the 2019 defense being awesome. And it's like, well, if they suck of it, it's the coordinator, but if they are great, it's Bill. Right. Yeah. We're like, I don't know. I I hope that was, mo I mean, for as a Patriots fan, I hope the success of this year's defense was mostly Bill and less Brian Flores because, you know, sure. one guy's here and one guy's gone. Um, but I guess we'll find out once they freaking plop Greg Schiano in there, who's really just a Bill Disciple. puppet, I think. Right. Yeah. And not even, he's not um, even a disciple and, and, yet. He's not from the tree yet. But, you know, they clearly share a philosophy of some kind because Bill Belichick. Oh, Absolutely. Continues to take. And like Rutgers is not an Alabama or Clemson type program. So it, it, it's not like other teams are clamoring for Rutgers guys consistently right, right, in the draft. Yeah. Stocking your, your pro football team with guys from Rutgers is not like the, the, a great strategy. Yeah. <laughs> Stocking your pro football team with players from any one college that's not called the Alabama Crimson Tide, I would say yeah. is also not a great strategy. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, Shiano, when he was uh, head coach of the Bucks, that's when like, I don't know, D Bill just has his buddies in the league. Yeah. You know, he used to shoot players to uh, to the Chiefs all the time. That was like Patriots South for a little while. Then it became the Texans because Bill O'Brien's down there now. And it, they did a bunch of deals with the Titans over the fucking yeah. offseason. For a while, there was the Bucks. There was they got a keep to leave from the Bucks. They got Daryl Revis from the Bucks. Um, I think they got they traded Logan Mankins to the Bucks. Like that that was when Shiano was there. So like this is just a total FOB. Yeah. Friend of Bill. Yeah. Just like a guy who's gonna come and like do his bidding, right. which is fine. Yeah, sure. Let's just hope it works here better than it did yeah, in seriously. Tampa Bay. <laughs> and we live in this world, we live in this new world now as Patriots fans where 
they can flip the switch. <laughs> so who the fuck knows? <laughs> There's only three weeks that matter. Yeah. And they can be one thing all regular season and apparently can be another thing all postseason and win championships. Right. So who the hell knows what this new what the what the new look flip switching Patriots are gonna be all about <laughs> moving forward. Uh, yeah, I th- Bill basically took last season to tell us all to shut the fuck up and he'll do what he wants to do and we'll be fine. And now I guess so. not really much we can argue against him. So I guess so. Uh um yeah. Shall we move on to the Celtics? Let's do it. We're touching them all today. This is great. Um, All right. So this is a story that bugged me all all week, or for the last two weeks. Yeah, it's been going on for a while. Um, Basically, there was, uh, I believe, in the Clippers game, so this is like last weekend, Kyrie went out because he hurt his knee again. It's not the knee that he hurt last year that he got the surgery on. It's his other knee. But he hurt it nonetheless, strained it, whatever. whatever. Leaves that game. And then he misses the Philly game, and then he misses the Pistons game, and then here we are in the All-Star break, and he's playing in the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, some notable interviews this week. Brad Stevens was on 98.5 and did an interview where he was like, oh, well, it's actually a good thing that Kyrie, you know, if he can play, we would actually encourage him to play because, you know, it's like good to, you know, move your body and get yeah. up and down the court. We don't want him just sitting on his butt for a week. So, like, it's actually, like, a positive, which was a really head-scratching, like, wouldn't you want your, like, super-duper star who has knee problems to just rest up considering last week he strained his his knee? Like, that was a... A, a, a bit of a shocking thing from the head coach to be like, no, 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 like, it's good. We actually yeah, want no, him yeah. to play. Oh, yeah, everyone subscribes to that theory. <laughs> and then, you know, ensue just a whole bunch of fucking bedwetting, I think, about, like, w- whether or not Kyrie Irving is going to play in the All-Star game. C- Chris Gasper, who uh, is a writer who I really like a lot from the Boston Globe, like, wrote this big piece someday earlier this week, I forget when, just, like, imploring Kyrie Irving to, like, do the right thing and not play in the game for the sake of the team and the organization and sending the right message and being a leader, la 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 all this stuff. So basically, I want to know your take, and I certainly have one as well, of what do you make of Kyrie playing in the All-Star game um, and sort of just the reaction and the nervousness from Celtics Nation? I, You know, I think it's playing in the game, I actually think, is a bad look by Kyrie because he's trying right now to find a way to, like, motivate his younger teammates and build teamwork and camaraderie, and it it gives a little bit that feeling of like, well, I wasn't healthy enough to play for what mattered, but like, this is fun. And this was my friends and I want to do this. So like, I'm going to figure that out. And I get, there was like a bunch of time obviously between the games and like their last game was against the Pistons. Like they didn't really need Kyrie to win that game, but you know, if he could have played just even a couple minutes in that Detroit game, it would have been a way better look when he went out to play in the all-star game. Right, and I, right. the Brad Stevens thing like if just you're gonna bizarre. play if you're gonna play one of those three nights right yeah. like you're either gonna play on uh on Tuesday Wednesday or Sunday if you can only pick one and Sunday's the fucking all-star game which is just a scrimmage with your buddies right. like the right thing quote unquote the right thing to do would be to play on 
Tuesday or Wednesday, the regular season game. Yeah, and even then, like, even if he did that, just playing a few minutes in that game, then there's no story about him playing in the All-Star game. Because it's like, okay, like, well, he was healthy enough to start in the Detroit game. They got out to a lead. They didn't need him. They sat him down. And then he had four days between that and the All-Star game to, like, rest up and get healthy. And he was 100% and he'll be 100% going forward. But... Yeah, he's had kind of an injury filled season. Like, I feel like he just keeps sporadically missing games. Like you just keep hearing like, oh, with no Kyrie and no Kyrie and no Kyrie. Yeah. And like these. And some of that's like just downtime, like just like scheduled maintenance. Like, but yeah, he has kind of had a couple dings here and there. And they're obviously being super cautious with him, too. Sure. Uh, But yeah, you're definitely right. I mean, it's not like he's been like the Iron Man all season. Right. And so it just to me is like him. Playing in that game, it, it just isn't a good look when you think about what it is that they're trying to do and like the tone that they're trying to set in the locker room right now and kind of the season that they've had and some of the hurdles that they've had about, you know, just not connecting and and not feeling like coming together. And he's calling LeBron for advice on how to like, you know, help his younger teammates and all that bullshit stuff. And then it's like, OK, um, all right, but I'm going to bang out of these last yeah, two regular season right. games and go play a, 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 a highly televised scrimmage with my boys. Right. With LeBron. Yeah. I mean, I I agree with that. I kind of am of two minds about it. Like, definitely, if Kyrie was interested in being, like, Mr. Celtic, uh, Mr. Leadership, and, like, team captain, so to speak, right. he shouldn't have played in the game. Right. Right? right? Like, it's pretty simple. Like, you haven't been available for the last two. Now you're just going to, like, bang out of the last two games before the all-star break and then like go play with your buddies. Um, so like, that's one thing, but at the same time, like the all-star game is a fucking scrimmage. Like nobody plays defense. No one's taking hard fouls. It's literally just a bunch of grab ass. Like if he was scrimmaging around with, at the Auerbach center, like no one would know or care or anything. Like it's just the fact that we can see it happen. And like, I don't know. I think I think there was like a lot of bedwetting about like oh what if he gets hurt and it's like I understand the guy's injury prone but like he fucking plays basketball every day of his <laughs> life no matter what he's going to take a thousand shots and dribble around and like fucking like snatch ankles Every day, no matter what. He's Kyrie Irving. It's what he does. It's going to be on TV, or it's going to be at a practice, or it's going to be in a little scrimmage, or it's going to be alone, or it's going to be for a commercial, or like whatever. He's going to be on his feet. He's going to be running and jumping and dribbling and doing all these things, no matter what the fuck happens. So personally, honestly, I'll take the odds that he doesn't fucking have some freak accident occur during the All-Star. He doesn't slip on some ice getting into his car yeah, after the game. right. Like, come on, people. <laughs> like, it's he'll survive. It's going to be fine. And lo and behold, here we are Monday, and he did. Yeah. So suck it. Because, like, all the bedwetting was really annoying me this week. Second thing, though, and this is, like, this, this is, I find really interesting because I think the Celtics as an organization are in the middle of realizing, like, how you have to deal with like having a superstar on your roster in the NBA. Like this is what the Houston Rockets, the Golden State Warriors, this is what the fucking Cavs had to do. This is what the Heat had to do back in the day. Like you have to bow down and subjugate yourself to your superstars. It's what you have to do. It's what everybody does and it's what you have to do. And as far as I can tell, 
in let's just talk like you know since like 2000 more or less when Danny Ainge got here so like this version I'm not going back to fucking you know Larry Bird sure. I wasn't around so right. I couldn't couldn't speak to that um but like in this generation of Celtics history the the Ainge era like they've never had to do that the only time I mean they had Paul Pierce who was their superstar who was like a, a team guy right. and and he was perfectly happy to get his points on mostly bad Celtics teams um and just you know be the be the big fish in a small pond and do that whole thing until Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen showed up and they were way late in their careers. Neither had ever won anything. And they all came together and said, you know what? We're going to put the team first. We're going to put each other first. We're going to set aside our egos, set aside all this stuff. And we're going to win a fucking championship. And they did that, which was great. But that's just so the exception that it's not even funny. And I think that Celtics fans and Celtics media have convinced themselves that, like, the Celtic way is to, like, do that and put the team first and, like, be like Mr. Green. And it's just like, no, no, man. Like, this is the NBA. Right. Like, the players rule. You know, it's it's an oligarchy. It's, like, the, the, the top 20 guys, not even, probably more like 10 or 15 maybe, run that league. LeBron James runs that league. And, like, if you're lucky enough to get one of those guys on your team, you got to just fucking bend over and let them do whatever they want. Because if Kyrie wants to play in that All-Star game, the Celtics should be saying, okay, go, sir. Kyrie. Go play in that All-Star game. Go get him, man. We're going to be cheering for you. You go have a fucking great time with Kevin Durant and James Harden. You know, yeah. convince them to come here if you yeah. can. <laughs> Talk and about like, great Go is. get him, dude. Well, and I think that in that Brad Stevens interview, you saw that. Right? Like, he was out there making an excuse for the guy and talking about what a positive yeah. it was. And, like... I thought it was... Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, I'm right there with you. Like, I thought his interview, what he was saying, was stupid. Like, oh, really? Really, Brad? Like, you want him to get those minutes playing in the All-Star game? Because, to your point, it's not real competitive basketball. He could get the same no. workout running around the gym. At, he could fucking run around a court at his house and get that same workout. Yeah, he would get this he would get the same workout in the in the shoot around pregame. Right. You know, it's a nothing thing. I mean I th I thought the I thought the Brad Stevens comments were sort of laughable because, you know, he's a coach. You yeah. know, and coaches coach and coaches want their players to do the right thing. And like I thought it was kind of funny and kind of sad, honestly, to hear Brad Stevens, who is a good dude and an honest person. And like, you know, I don't think I mean, Brad's not Bill. Like right. he's not like lying out there every day to the media for the benefit of his team. But like to hear Brad Stevens have to make the case that it's actually good that he's missing the last two regular season games before the All-Star break and then playing in the All-Star game was like kind of pathetic. But I was like, you know what, Brad? Good for you. Good for you for going out there and doing what you need to do in the NBA to really win for real, right. which is cater to superstars, Stroke their uh, ego. Uh, attract yourself yeah. to superstars, let them do what they want. This is like their thing. They get to go and fucking pal around with all the elite players in the league. Like if you were one, you'd want to do it too. Right. And like, I, I was like, good job Celtics. Way to not make a stink. Because making a stink is the fucking worst thing you could do when he's going to be a free agent in like six months. Right. They basically tried to contain the story and make it not a story. So that the the some of the like rumors and I think heat that's coming on the team can be like slowed down a little bit about like, is Kyrie going to resign? Like, is he going to stay here? He said he was, but now we're not so sure. And it's like, all right, we right. need to like temper all of this drama because it's not helping. Yeah, and again, good on the Celtics for not yeah. not uh, not 
creating any sort of rift over something as stupid right. as a fucking pickup game on TV. But I just think I get frustrated by the coverage of it and the fans who have this fantasy that they're going to have a championship team filled with a bunch of like, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, good little soldiers who are just like, you know, putting the team first and get all enamored with the banners at the garden and just want to be the great Celtic. Like, shut up. Like, don't well, be a baby. It's because like, that's like, that's not how you, that, that's not how it happens. Well, but so for 20 years, that's how we've seen it happen on the Patriots. And so now we're, we just all assume that's how everything must work. And why wouldn't everybody want to be here? Like we love being here. Why wouldn't you want to be here? You know, I, I, I ab- yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that that's, that's a huge part of the spillover is, and again, like that is, that is another thing that never happens, right? right. Like teams in, like nobody in the NFL uh, uh, subjugates themselves to the team, but it happens here in New England somehow, and right. they've managed to win six championships from it. Like yeah. in most leagues, in fact, like, you know, only like really sort of special organizations with special coaches and special management can figure out a way to get teams to, to get players high end, you know, top ticket caliber players to subjugate themselves to a team mentality and to a team concept uh, and put winning first in front of their like personal priorities and personal prerogatives and things like that. But certainly not how that happens in the NBA. And like, that's all right. That's just how it works. Like, welcome to the league. Um, But fucking, I don't know. It it was just like, I was glad the Celtics did what they did. Cause it's like, you know what? No one's going to thank you for it, but that was the right thing to do. Let him play, get out of his way. He's the man. And you're just the uniform that he puts on. (sighs) Well, We'll see what happens when they come back from the All-Star break. And if they can go on a tear and win a bunch of games, no one will talk about this again. But if he comes back and he gets hurt again in a week, it, you know, this is going to rear its ugly head again. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, if his if he's unable to make it, like, let's just play the worst case scenario. If he hobbles himself going into the playoffs again and he's not available for a deep playoff run, yeah. like, that's a really bad look. Right. Um, and I don't even know how much this, you know, depending on where and when it happened, if it happened, hopefully it doesn't, but I don't know how much this all-star discussion would weigh into that, but I mean, it certainly wouldn't look great on Kyrie if it happened soon or really, frankly, at all. Yeah. He needs to stay healthy for the rest of this stretch of the season. hundred percent, hundred percent. Uh, and if he wants, it's, it's in his best interest too, by the way, like if yeah. he wants to, go, I mean, he's at a certain point, the, him not being available at the end of seasons is going to start affecting his bottom line eventually. Yeah, it has to, right? Like, who, why are you going to pay for someone that can't stay on the court? Yeah. When it matters. Agreed. Yeah. Especially if he's a big pain in your ass. Yeah. <laughs> uh, right. if, he's winning, if he's winning you championships, then it's all worth it, right? right? But if he's not, then it's not. Right. If he's just annoying and can't stay on the court when you need him, then, like, what's your upside? Yeah, then he's Carmelo Anthony. Like, what are we doing <laughs> yeah. here, you know? Uh, all right. Huh. You want, Glad I got that off my chest. Want to head into some lightning round? Yeah, let's do it. Right. This is, we're freaking moving along. Oh, yeah. This is great. Uh, you know, I'll I'll start. I'm curious about okay. what your opinion is on this first question. Okay. Um, so we are in the midst of the. The, the hot stove, as it were, or the very <laughs> cold stove, as uh, b- 
pretty much all of the big name free agents in Major League Baseball have uh, been left unsigned during the baseball offseason. Mostly uh, Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, who are, you know, the fucking premier uh, power hitters in the league, uh, not to mention our old buddy Craig Kimbrell as well. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, what's the deal here with all these free agents just not being on teams yet? Do you think there's collusion among the uh, MLB owners to not sign anybody at a big ticket, or is it just market correction because these guys have fucking ridiculously huge contracts? Um, I, you know, I think it is a market correction, and and maybe there's some collusion with that. Maybe the teams yeah, can have started both? talking. It's saying, like, Okay, we can't keep paying these salaries. We've talked before, like, I don't understand how baseball affords these salaries because all you hear about is, like, ratings and attendance being down. You know, and I think the one thing baseball has going for it is just the sheer volume of games that they play. Mm -hmm. Obviously generates more money from ticket sales and concessions and ad revenues on TV and stuff like that. But, you know, Manny Machado has come right out and said, like, he only tries when he wants to or, or, you know, whatever his comments were. And it's like... Listen, baseball teams can't keep committing themselves to these large contracts and still make baseball attainable for the fan to actually come and enjoy because ticket prices are going to keep going up. Concession prices are going to have to go up in order to pay these salaries. And, you know, eventually there's a break point where people are going to be like, yeah, no, it's too expensive. Like, I'm not going to go. So I I don't think it's the worst thing in the world that they're trying to, like, right size things a little Mm. bit here. Yeah. It does suck for the off season though, just from a like fun and drama perspective. Yeah. Like, this is the only sport where people don't get signed on day one of free agency. Yeah, you know, and I think baseball can help that by like putting in a free agent period. Um, mm. they kind of just let it happen when it happens. Like it takes kind of a natural flow. Yeah. Um unlike other sports that there is like a free agency period and and teams are planning for it and there's a lot of like buzz around the teams as they get ready um and there's like an urgency to make things happen and to sign people so that you don't miss out and so maybe that's what maybe baseball needs to put something in like that but we're into spring training <laughs> yeah, and these guys they haven't been have, signed they already yeah. have put something in they colluded to say nobody signed these yeah. guys and the prices <laughs> will go down uh yeah well, i think that's fair <laughs> i don't think it's a bad thing i think it's a good thing for baseball because I, I think they need to rebuild their fan base and they need to do that by making it like that you can go to a game for a reasonable amount of money so that parents take their kids like, oh, well, here's something we can do on a Sunday afternoon. And it's yeah. not three hundred dollars. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next. Anyway, uh, next. Uh, another collusion question. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, has settled his collusion case against the NFL. Um, ultimately the NFL agreed to pay Kaepernick an undisclosed amount of money and they don't have to admit there actually was any sort of collusion or blackballing as it were. Um, with this behind him, do you see a chance for Cap- Kaepernick to now make a return to the NFL? And do you want the Pats to take a look at him? There's been rumors out about that this week. I saw that. Yeah. So with this behind him, do you see a chance for Kaepernick to make a return to the NFL? You know, I really don't. <laughs> um, and I'm a, you know, uh, not to get too political here, but I'm a fan of Colin Kaepernick. I've long believed that he has, certainly has the talent to play in the NFL. Maybe not as a starter, but certainly as a backup. Would you take Colin Kaepernick or Brian Hoyer to start okay. your team? Uh, you know, if you were designing a football team anyways, 
Um, I don't think he's going to return to the NFL because I think he's in the same circumstance that he was four years ago when he originally got blackballed, which is his talent is okay. His, like, media circus factor and, you know, press just kind of attention factor is huge. It's through the roof. And I don't think, honestly, like I don't really know if I believe that there was collusion amongst the NFL owners. I think it's entirely possible that they all just independently arrived at the same conclusion, which is this guy's not worth the headache that it would bring to my organization. I can get a mobile quarterback with a big arm like all over the place. The the NFL is littered with them. College is littered with them. So, like, I I don't really think he's going to play again. I mean, good for him getting his money. Like, I'm sure he got many, many millions of dollars, and God bless him. Yeah. Um, And God bless him for, you know, taking a stand against police brutality and racial inequality and all that stuff, too. Um, But I just, yeah, I don't really think he's going to play in the league. And would I want the Pats to take a look at him? Not really. I mean, he's... I, I. I don't care about, I mean, I think if any organization is able to deal with the media circus element, it would be the Patriots. But like, just from a football standpoint, like, I don't really know if he fits what they're trying to do. He's not exactly young (laughs) anymore. So like, is he the successor? I don't think so. Um, And he's certainly not just like a stay at home backups backup. Like Brian Horry, you already got that. Like, no, it's, I don't think it's going to happen here and either. Um, All right, you ready for this next one? This was an exciting little uh, piece of news this week. The AAF. No, not the old uh, alternative rock station here in Boston. Uh, (laughs) This is the Alliance of American Football, um, which is a new spring league that kicked off last weekend. um, Got a lot more success and buzz than I think anybody, certainly you and I, uh, initially imagined. So the question for you, Melissa, is did you watch any of the games and do you think it could be a successful uh, long-term little, you know, spring football league? Um, so I didn't watch the games. I kind of forgot that it had started. Um, I don't know if it'll be successful. I think the thing that is kind of bolstering it a little bit right now is the fact that many states are starting to institute sports gambling and that came out sort of towards the end of the the football season. And so I wonder how much like the ability to gamble on the games is driving some of the interest. Um, I kind of like having a break from the NFL occasionally. Like football is a very tense sport to watch, you know. Um, And I don't necessarily have a vested interest, I guess, in any of those teams that are playing. None are really around here. They're all kind of like southern, yeah. They're all warm southern markets teams. for sure. I mean, yeah. Um, which is interesting because I feel like there you're competing against college football too, who have like well, big not spring. not this time of year. You're not. Like, well, they do have some spring like games that they play in places no, like they- Alabama, like bang out their stadium for fucking spring scrimmages. It's bizarre. Oh well, for yeah, sure, sure, sure. But I mean that that's the th- I think that's the brilliance of this uh, of this league is that like. If they can be smart about where they play, like I think there's totally, totally a market for a little JV NFL to happen in the spring. Like think about how many players are like tweener college NFL guys. Like I heard on the radio this week, like Tim Tebow, great fucking example of a guy who like could be your perfect like, oh, remember him in college? He was great. Like, never made it in the NFL. Like, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, what was that thing? The USFL, like back in the 80s was all like that. That was like a 
that was a that was this that that is what this could be like a spring league like Doug Flutie played in the in the USFL right like you know not exactly a world beater as an NFL starting quarterback was totally a world beater in college like kind of that tweener thing and like boom yeah. there you go USFL play there yeah maybe if it works like that um, where they end up being almost like a recruitment league for the NFL if you will like guys that aren't the natural draft pick but yeah. You know, somewhere for them to play, like exhibition which I style. Find interesting. Like oh, they were they, playing these games on NFL Network. Like they are, like they have like a business relationship. Like it's not. That's one big yeah. difference between that and USFL. And obviously, I wasn't right. around for the USFL. But from what I understand, they were like take, trying to take on the NFL and like you know be the dominant league, and that didn't work out. Uh, obviously, but yeah, yeah, interesting thing. I think there's a market for it for sure. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. You know, they just had week two. I don't think as many people watched as they did week one. Um, but still people are watching and like there's articles being written about it and people are certainly talking about it. So we'll see what happens long term for them. Mm -hmm. Going back to the NBA a little bit. Uh, yeah. Jason Tatum won the skills challenge at NBA All-Star Weekend and he clinched it with a final half court heave. To seal the title for himself. I don't know if you saw that clip. I actually turned it on just as that was transpiring. Oh, really? Believe it or not. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he was like at a gonna win a car or something for hitting a half court shot. He anyway. won that big ass trophy. The trophy yeah, is comically large, yeah. considering how <laughs> insignificant the competition itself yeah. is. Um, you know, we've talked a lot about like all-star weekends and skills competitions. And do you think that him winning something like that says anything about his skills or ability in the NBA, or is it really just kind of an exhibition of, of trickery, if you will? No, it doesn't say anything about, I mean, he's obviously nasty, but like this, this competition was not really meaningful in any way. I think it was good that he participated. My, my biggest thing with these skills challenges, uh, is that I just wish that the best players would go like for some reason, like in the NBA, like culture, you're the really good guys don't participate and like yeah. the pretty good guys suit up and actually do the dunks and shoot the threes or whatever. But like the real fucking, you know, money dudes, you know, Russell Westbrook, LeBron, all these guys, like they're all in street clothes, fucking hanging out courtside, which I'm sure is fun for them. But I really wish that they would do the skills competition with their actual superstars. Yeah. It's weird that they don't, because I feel like of all the sports superstars, actually want to play in that game like i i eat the Kyrie conversation um but they won't do any of the other things like they yeah, don't do the skills they won't do the, the dunk opposite, contest the three point right yeah yeah you would think it would be the opposite because like it's much easier to go out there and like you know bang a couple threes than to play a whole extra game yeah it's weird how it I, it's yeah. so strange how it like wound up that way because yeah you would totally think like if i was a baseball player i'd be like yeah fuck the game but i'll crank yeah. some dingers at the home run derby like yeah sure you know if i'm steph and, and good for steph curry i was actually really excited to see steph curry in the three-point contest yeah um, which he did not win, but whatever. Like, just the fact that he was there, I was like, all right, Steph, like, way to go. Like, you're definitely in the LeBron, Russell Westbrook, you know, James Harden category of NBA, oh, yeah. NBA superstars. And he's down here on the court with his fucking sneakers on, jacking threes with, like, a bunch of randos, basically. Not a, They weren't all randos, but most of them were in the three-point competition and the dunk competition. Like, these are guys I've never fucking heard of, and I'm not a big-time NBA follower, but, you know. I wish yeah. it was the stars. Do you think it's like an ego thing? Like I'm too yeah. good for that. 
so, somewhere, yeah, I think it is now. I, I don't really know when that started, but somewhere along the way, it just became the norm that like the real fucking heavyweights sit it out. And yeah, they're like, no, 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 no. This shit's beneath me. Right. This is for the kids. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, all right. Last question. Speaking of the NBA, there was yeah. a lot of excitement uh, around the NBA trade deadline when Anthony Davis, New Orleans Pelicans, big man, um, said he wanted to be traded and a lot of speculation about where he would end up. Uh, ultimately, he didn't end up getting traded, obviously, at the deadline. He's still on the Pelicans, which means that the Celtics are still in play, uh, but the Pelicans are going to ask certainly a lot for uh, their fucking big megastar. He's still under contract for another year. And after the Celtics do whatever they're going to do with Kyrie Irving, they will be able to trade for him right. after July 1st. So right. the question for you, uh, Melissa, is do you want Anthony Davis in Boston? And what would you be willing to give up for him knowing that he might not re-sign at the end of his contract? Mm. This is like the question. This is I like, know. This I is know. the question facing Celtics nation. I should have counted this off and made you have this question. <laughs> uh, I'm, I think... My answer to do I want Anthony Davis here is actually no. Oh, you're nuts. Unless he's coming with a contract extension, because I think you're just going to have to empty the coffers for him to yeah. such a point that you're going to set your team behind it. If they can do a sign and trade like, OK, we sign you for five years and we trade for you, then, yep, sign me up, give them give the Pelicans everything you want or they want. But if we're going to like trade draft picks and you know Jason Tatum and Terry Rozier and like everybody else then like are you gonna really have enough around him to even win in the one year that he's here and then is there a chance that he would resign like why would you resign with that team they can't win yeah yeah, I mean, okay, so I'm sorry. You're not nuts. You make good points. Because he has, <laughs> there is very real uh, reason to believe that Anthony Davis does not want to come to Boston. And it's not a slight on Boston. He just wants to go to L.A. He signed Everybody with LeBron's to. agent. He's like buddies right. with LeBron. He wants to go fucking go to L.A. Right. To me, I would still, so assuming you re-sign Kyrie, right? Like, let's just assume that sure. that happens on July 1st. Yeah. I would do it anyways. You know? Really? Because- I would. I really would because it's if you can get one championship out of it, I think it's worth it personally. And if you put Kyrie Irving and and Anthony Davis on the same floor, like you're a championship quality team. And you know what? I if I were Danny Ainge, I would say, "You know what? I'm not in here to fucking convince guys like what cities are better than other cities, but you know what? I'm going to trade for you. We're going to put it together. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll want to stay." Honestly, like I do believe that like the culture, like the Celtics culture fan wise, media wise is like pretty good. Um, it's not super negative. It's not super harsh. Like it's a good basketball city. I, I can't think of a single player that has come to Boston that did not like it in my yeah. lifetime. I can think of a dozen guys who said they wouldn't want to come here because it's cold or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I, as far as people who have actually come um, I can't think of anybody that was like, fuck that place. But anyways, <laughs> I would do it because, you know, I think he's just got to shoot his shot. I think it's too much to ask to think that you're going to find an NBA super duper star who's looking to get out of town, who you have the assets to acquire, that you can pair with your current assets that complement well while you have the coach, while you have Kyrie, while you're in this moment. Like, 
who also, you know, was a fan of Larry Bird as a kid. You know, you know what I mean? Like that's just too you can't it's not out there. You're not gonna find it. So like you're gonna have to you're gonna have to go a little bit against the grain because Boston is not one of the premier, you know, cities to to live and work and play in in the NBA. But you just gotta you gotta do it. That's the only way you can do it. All right. Well, we'll see and what happens. Maybe he fucking ends up digging it. Maybe he goes to fucking Game Seven of the Finals and loses to Golden right. State next and year the, with Kyrie and the Celtics. He goes, you know what? Fuck this. I'm staying. We're gonna win at this. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you know, they're we're better than them. We guys. Like, I can see him being in New Orleans, which is a shithole, not of a city, but of a basketball organization, and yeah. being like, get me the fuck out of here. And he's got his, he, you know, he like, you know, shuts his eyes at night and dreams about him jumping around with LeBron in L.A. But like. <laughs> If he actually comes to a good situation that's not his current situation, like I think you could make the argument that you might convince him to stay. Well, and I, I just worry, like now hearing him say, like, oh, I didn't see the Celtics were off the table. And it's like, okay, you're right. You technically didn't. Your dad did. But yeah, yeah. Like, that was a little, is it just like, a, well, my first relationship didn't work out. So I better, you know, open up my horizons again just to make sure I can get out of this shitty deal that I got going on here. But honestly, this re- this relates back to the All Star thing too, because I would want again Kyrie go there, spread spread the love for Celtics yeah. Nation. Go paint everybody green and hang out with Anthony Davis. Go go hit the bars with Anthony Davis. You know, like get him here. Go recruit. Show, show him how to get his eyebrows waxed. Little you know, like and that. if you end up, if you end up, if it ends up that Kyrie fucking recruits him and they go play together in New York or L.A., then it's like, well, what can oh. you fucking do? You shot, you shot, you tried. This is this is, you know, it's weird to think of Boston as like a second tier market sports wise, you know, uh, but yeah. in the NBA, we are like that. And, and we have I to know. operate differently. It's like small market teams in baseball. You know, you can't just go out and sign the best player like you got to be a little more creative and a little bit more you know, uh, willing to take risks, I guess, because mm. people don't just dream about coming here and playing like they do going to be the next great Laker. It's weird, though, because it is such a storied franchise. You would think that, like, it would carry some of that cachet that, like, playing for the Bruins or the Red Sox has. Like, there is something to playing for an original six team in the NHL or you know, playing for like the Red Sox or the Yankees and the Celtics, it doesn't, it just doesn't carry that same weight. Yeah. In the league, I think for some players thing. it does, but certainly not all, you yeah. know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's, it's ancient history and and like, that's fair. Well, <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that's the thing is it, it was a long time ago that, that you're looking at players like Larry Bird and Bill Russell and yeah, you know, those guys running around the parquet here. So for sure, for sure. Whoa. Well, well, Lots to discuss. Uh, yeah. This was fun. Hope you enjoyed it, folks, assuming you made it. If you are uh, <laughs> looking to interact with us, you can find us at Titletown Pod anywhere that social media happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you want to get involved with the program, you can certainly you- call uh, the old Titletown voicemail. 904-87-TTPOD is the number there. Leave your take and we'll play on the show. Yeah, sounds great. Other than that, have a great week. Bye. See you later, Bernsey. <laughs>